Have you been looking for a podcast that'll keep you entertained for an hour? Have you been looking for a podcast that has cryptids, paranormal, and music? Have you been looking for a podcast that'll keep you on the edge of your seat? Have you been looking for a podcast that is a combination of haunters, cryptozoologists, folklorists, and many more, all in one place? And have you been looking for a show that is a continuation and extension of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast? Well, I have a solution for you. That's called the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. That's right. We have professionals coming in from around the world to teach about paranormal, cryptozoology, talk about horror movies, and so much more. Please join us every other week on the Foggy Jack Live Podcast or on the Foggy Jack Collective Podcast. Just gotta search either one of those and you'll find us. Hope to see you guys down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted from around the world. I'm Stephanie Myers. I'm Stephanie Benya. This is Stephanie and Stephanie Talk Tunes. We're excited that you're here to join us on our storytelling journey where we talk about music that is featured prominently throughout the course of our 20-year friendship. It's our soundtrack and probably yours too. From hair metal to new wave to even classic country, we have stories to tell. These are the songs you want to forget but love to remember. Subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Podcasts, and Overcast. First episode drops on April 21st. Be sure to follow us on the socials. That's Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at Stephanie's Talk Tunes. That is Stephanie's plural, Stephanie's Talk Tunes. No VIP passes required. All music junkies admitted. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Today, this episode is called Random Zone because I'm going to do something a little different here, something I haven't done before, and we're just going to find a random story, and we're going to roll with it. And that's going to go for the Foggy Jack. That's live podcast uh, episode segment, sorry, uh, for the news segment and for the Haunter's Shed segment, and maybe even something at the end here. I don't know what's going to happen today, but let's just go to random land. Here we go. Just a sweet transvestite. Hello, everybody, and you're listening to the Foggy Jack Live Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted. Now, let's go on down to the pumpkin patch. The Foggy Jack Live Podcast is part of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast Network. Go on over to social media anywhere and search at FoggyJack13 for more shows like this one. And remember, stay spooky. Thank you, Max, for that marvelous introduction. For the Studer family, today's shopping trip for Halloween supplies was unlike any other. Because they didn't just enter Target. They also entered the Twilight Zone Town of Terror sweepstakes. Pick up your game card at Target. You could win a vacation to Walt Disney World in Florida and a chance to experience the height of fright, the new Twilight Zone Tower of Terror. So people with severe... Thank you for joining us today in the ticket booth. Let's hear the news. 
Alrighty, hello everybody and welcome to the strange and unusual news. And like I said, it's going to be strange and unusual today here in Random Land Foggy with Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Today we're going to talk about in the news, UFOs and high strangeness in the Himalayas. This is from Brent Swasser from March 28, 2021 from org. It reads, the Congo Pass are also called... Lakongo La is about as remote as it gets. Located within the Himalayan mountain range, the low mountain pass, which meanders through the Latkin region of Jammu and Kashmir, um, and intrudes into the Cheng Chimo Valley of China, it is a place surrounded by looming snow-capped peaks, deep gullies and valleys, and constantly battered by frigid weather a place not meant for us humans. It is a forbidding, uninhabited place, no man's, no man's land, only sparsely roamed by herders, Hindu pilgrims, adventure seekers, and overseen by sporadic military outposts along the craggy border. Since the past has long been disputed and fought over by India and China, its sweeping vast of barren expanses of rocky, jagged land give the place an ambience and appearance like not unlike some alien world, which is perhaps appropriate because the Konka Pass has be, has come to be known as a hotspot for UFOs and weird alien activity. For years, those who have traveled through the pass have come back with strange stories. Common among these are unidentified, unidentified lights in the sky, which sometimes do aerial acrobatics acrobatics swoop and rise or even seem to disappear right into the side of the ridge there are also numerous reports of dis disorientation malfunctioning electrical equipment and lost time with people reporting suddenly waking up miles away from where they last remembered being um i'm gonna go back here to disappearing into the side of a ridge there's a conspiracy out there that in the um Smoky Mountains through the cave systems that a lot of th weird things go on within the cave systems of the Smoky Mountains. Um, a lot of alien activity, a lot of occult activity, a lot of cryptic activity, a lot of paranormal activity. A lot of things are based around caves. Um, and I don't think this is an exception here. I think aliens and UFOs, UFOlogy, cryptids, they all use these cave systems because if you think of it, um, if you think of Disney World, Disney World has a large, it's not, they're not caves, they're tunnels underneath Disney World. Disney World's actually built 14 feet above ground level because of these tunnels. Um, and so that, so and the and Disney World uses these tunnels so Mickey Mouse in his Tomorrowland costume isn't seen roaming through Adventureland. Walt Disney didn't like that about Disneyland because he kept seeing cast members out of place and it kind of threw off the the feng shui to sort of sort of speak of Disneyland. And so Walt wanted these tunnels built underneath Disney World so that this didn't happen. And I think this happens a lot with UFOs, cryptids, and a lot of that. And I go back to Hellier. Um, I talk a lot about this this show because it, it just it sparked something in me. Of Hellier, 
you know, brought to light that these tunnels are used more for than what we just think. They're not just stalactites and stalagmites and, and underwater cave systems. These things are used. They've been used for thousands of years by people before us. It only makes sense that they're used by higher intelligences currently. That's just my little soapbox. Um, where were we? Let's see. These people would wake up miles away from where they last remember being. Sightings of UFOs have been reported by people on both sides of the border, with many of these witnesses being military personnel or even leaders. Yet considering the harrowing terrain and isolated remoteness, there has been little done to actively investigate, and this has led to rumors that the past holds within its vast underground warrant of tunnels that operates as a UFO base for aliens on Earth. Like I just said. I think aliens use these caves and tunnels more than we think. It might just seem like spooky tales orbiting in, um, in a, a beautiful and an inhospitable place, easy for me to say, but there have been several in incidents in the, in the Conga past that stand out. My computer, my computer will scroll. In 2003, over, an, over a dozen Indian troops along the border spotted over several nights floating lights in the sky of, these Chin, of the Chinese side of the border that were anomalous enough that they were reported to their commander. But there was no further word about what it could have been from their superiors nor from the Chinese military. Oh, excuse me, even weirder was an incident that allegedly occurred in 2004 um, where a group of geologists led by Dr. Anil Kulkerny, um, they were on an expedition, one of the most desolate and remote places in the entire region. During the expedition, the team reportedly observed a bizarre robotic humanoid measuring four feet tall walking along the rocky landscape about 50 meters away. The, the scientists observed the strange robot for nearly 40 minutes and even took pictures before it proposedly suddenly rose into the air to shoot into the sky as soon as they tried to draw closer to the thing. The whole thing was witnessed by 14 people, including six scientists, who conclude there was no reasonable natural explanation. Nevertheless, uh, the reports were went unanswered and was quietly swept, swept under the carpet. Interestingly, others have reported seeing small robotic entities in the past as well, including one site in which the entity seemed to disappear into a hole in the ground, which in itself then disappeared as it had never been there. Um... On top of all of this, Google Earth has uncovered a lot of weird things in the Conga past, such as mysterious openings in the Earth that seem to have been bored out with machinery, as well as unregistered military facilities, complexes of buildings, and mysterious structures. It has been claimed that something, sometimes these images are blurred out on Google Earth not long after they've been discovered. It is, it is unclear what things has to do with any of this um, purported UFO activity in the region, but it certainly adds another layer of strangeness to an already strange place. What is going on in this bizarre place? Are these phenomena the are the result of aliens or something else? One thing that can be said is that if it really is location of some alien base of operations with its complete remoteness and disconnect from civilization, they could not have picked a better place to go more mostly unnoticed. So are aliens currently have 
having a base, harboring a base here on Earth in the Himalayas. That is some high strangeness in the Himalayas with the UFOs. Thank you guys for joining me in this segment of the strange and unusual news. Proper care in feeding of a teenager. Number one rule. Don't let them drink alcohol. Rule number two. Never let them get into a car with a driver who has been drinking. Rule number three. Never. What's up, folks? I'm Shock Illusionist Dan Sperry, the Anti-Conjurer, coming in from Las Vegas, Nevada, and you're listening to the Froggy Jack Podcast. Tell all your little friends about it. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Froggy Jack Life Podcast. Like I said, today here in Random Land, we found a – like I just randomly asked Siri for a number. She gave me a number. I clicked to that page. And here I am on the occultsection.com from a article that reads, When Ghost Hunting Crosses a Line, from September 6, 2018. This definitely is a random episode, and it's kind of interesting to see what all in all comes out of this episode. We've talked about aliens, now we're going to talk about when paranormal researchers go a little too far. So... What would you consider to be too soon in the paranormal world? Would your group ever do an EVP session to attempt to contact Molly, Molly, Te, Te, Molly Tibbets? Tibbets? What about Shannon Watt? I don't know who either of these people are. Am I disconnected from society? I might be. What if I told you a paranormal group has already done multiple EVP sessions and attempt to contact them and victims of many other high-profile cases uploaded these EVP sessions onto YouTube and got thousands of views. We ghost hunters do what we do because we are seeking answers. Answers to questions like what happens to us when we die, or is there an afterlife, or can those who have passed on communicate with the living? All good questions and mysteries as we, as we as a species have been trying to unravel for a long time as we have been on this planet. But unfortunately, there are some ghost hunters out there who don't ask themselves is the right question, such as, should we be doing this? And is it too soon? These are murky subjects, to be sure, but I think a little easier to answer than the existential conundrums that get us started on this path in the first place. Which brings me back to the aforementioned high-profile murders that have been in the news recently and the rush to certain paranormal groups to do EVP sessions, wherein they tried to contact the recently deceased victims in these murders and sort of cash in on the publicity. We came across this video by Bex Paranormal, um, and we're not even going to link them to this. 
which documents their team trying to contact Shannon Watts, the pregnant mother of two girls who was killed by her husband. They've apparently done also done sessions trying to contact Molly Tibbetts, the jogger who was killed by a farmhand in Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Iowa. Both of these cases have garnished lots of media attention, and both cases are heartbreaking, fresh wounds in the victim, to the victim's families, as well as the public who are still trying to heal. And frankly, it is very poor taste for paranormal teams to try and contact these women. It is too soon. I know there are no hard and fast rules uh, for when it's acceptable in the ghost hunting world. Is it okay to investigate cemeteries or lunatic asylums? How long should someone be dead before we try to contact him? There can be lots of debate about what is or what isn't acceptable and lots of different opinions um, from a variety of, for a variety of reasons. And I think most good paranormal investigators have struggled with these questions. I know we certainly have. But in the case of these women and children who have just died, I can't see how anyone would think this is anywhere near appropriate. Hell, even South Park quitted that it took 22.3 years before a tragedy can be joked about. Um, and I could almost understand this if... The murders were unsolved. Police departments will sometimes use psychics to hopefully help locate missing persons when they have run out of leads. I don't know how appropriate that is either, but as a last resort, where's the harm really? But posting EVP sessions attempting to contact a dead mother, a dead daughter on YouTube when the family has barely started, started grieving is just the height of unprofessionalism to me. It's selfish and pure sensationalism. And what really bothers me about this video is that not just a group posting the EVP session, they made us, they made a slickly produced video replete with spooky music, news clips edited in, and the request like, comment, and subscribe mantra attacked at the end as if they were a video game review. This is not about helping the family or finding answers or solving a mystery at this point. It's about promoting the group. Becoming YouTube stars, maybe getting a TV show. Look how well-produced this is. Wouldn't we look great on Destination America, host our, paranormal, host our own paranormal show? Like, comment, subscribe. I understand the, the needs for answers to try to communicate, and if it is indeed possible, maybe it's easier to communicate with the dead soon after they pass rather than years or decades later. I really do understand all those reasonings. Just don't put it up on YouTube to serve as a sizzle reel for the TV show you're hoping to land. Um, I do see that this is a problem and that it can... Michael Audrey Myers shall be tried as an adult for the murder of his sister, Judith Margaret Myers. You fooled him, haven't you, Michael? But not me. It's a holiday you'll remember forever. Halloween night is when people play tricks on each other. What about the boogeyman? Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. Seasons don't feel right. Nor do the winds of summer rain. We can be like the Jamie Lee Curtis. What's the boogeyman? Donald Pleasance. As a matter of fact, it was. In a film by John Carpenter. Oh, no. Halloween. Next. Bring out your 
Alrighty, hello everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Haunter's Shed. Today, as we creep through this crazy random land episode, we're going to talk about my favorite movie. Um, we're going to talk about my favorite horror movie, and that is 1978, sorry, Halloween. The original Michael Myers Halloween and what you can do with him in a haunt. Um, and I have seen him a lot in a haunted house. A lot of him and a lot of other IP characters. I was corrected um, the other day that I was under the impression that we couldn't use these characters in a haunt um, for legal purposes. We just can't use them in our promotions, which is fine. I get it. Um, but I still think it's a touchy subject when it comes to this kind of stuff in haunted houses. I still think it's better to play it safe, and I'm going to get on my soapbox here. We are creating haunted houses. We are creating things that blow people away, that bring people into a world that we have created. So why is it that we have to use things that other people have created in our own haunt. You see, if you want a serial killer, make your own serial killer. Give him a backstory. Give him a unique characteristic. Give him that thing that that, that brings you creativity. You don't need to you don't need to jump on the John Carpenter bad wagon. You don't need to jump on the um, Freddy Krueger bandwagon or the um, Jason bandwagon or the Stephen King bandwagon. You don't have to do that. We as haunters have creativity. I mean, that is why we have so many conventions dedicated to the craft of haunting. That is because we are a creative industry. We are creative people. And so when it comes to these IP characters, Michael, Jason, Freddy, Pennywise. Why are we putting them in haunts? Now, don't get me wrong. I enjoy seeing Michael Myers in a haunt as much as the next guy. I like seeing Pennywise in a haunt as much as the next guy. Okay? But if you're going to do it, do it creatively then. Don't just put don't just put Michael Myers in a house. Don't just put Pennywise in a in a garbage pile of toys. Don't just put Michael Myers in I mean Jason in a in a Camp Crystal Lake. Okay. Don't just put Freddy in a bedroom scene. Bring it your give it your own characteristic. Give it your own feeling. Okay. You're using these characters, so you might as well me create something creative when it comes to to these characters. I still think that it is unneeded and unnecessary to use these IP characters in your haunt. If I want to go see Michael Myers, I'm going to sit down on my couch. I'm going to pop in my Blu-ray DVD of the 1978 Michael Ma Halloween and watch Jamie Lee Curtis 
and Michael Myers duke it out. If I want to watch, if I want to see Freddy Krueger, I'm going to sit down on my couch and I'm going to watch Freddy Krueger and Johnny Depp duke it out. If I want to watch Jason Voorhees, Friday the 13th, I'm going to sit down on my couch, I'm going to pop in that DVD, and I'm going to watch him and his mother duke it out. If I want to watch Pennywise, I'm going to sit down on my couch, I'm going to watch Bill Skarsgård or Tim Curry duke it out with the loser with the loser's club. Okay, that is what I'm going to do, and that is what thousands of other people are going to do. If they see your haunt, and they go through your haunt, and they see, oh, look, it's Jason. Oh, look, it's Michael. Oh, look, it's Pennywise. Why didn't I just stay home and watch all these movies at home for free? Why did I come and pay to see what I could see free on my couch? Okay? If you want to do this, if you feel that you need to have these characters in your haunt, like I said before, give them a unique spin. Put Michael Myers... See, and this is where it gets hard, is because people have these ideas, these faceted ideas of what these characters are, so you can't change them. You can put Pennywise in a cornfield, okay? It doesn't really make sense, but if you give him kind of a scarecrow look, then I guess it makes sense if you're scared of scarecrows. Michael Myers, I guess you could take Michael Myers and you could put him... In uh, see, this is where you run it. You ha you have to put J Michael Myers in a house in Haddonfield. You can't take him out of that because that is Michael Myers. So you're not creating something creative. You're not showing people what the haunt industry can do. We as a haunt industry have to push and have to fight. We have so many things to fight for and from that why would we just copy someone else's work um if you want to do something unique i guess you could do a jason versus freddy thing but there's a movie so why do i need to go to your haunt to see it when i can just sit down on my couch and watch freddy versus jason same with chucky same with um you know evil dead or walking dead or please don't do the walking dead in your haunt Universal has overdone it. Just please don't do it. Um, you know, I've, I've ranted now for six minutes about this. You, as a haunt, do not need these independent properties in your haunt. You can have the serial killer. You can have the crazed chainsaw maniac. You can have the cruel, sadistic... Um, killers of you know that use traps and stuff like that in your haunt you can use werewolves you can use vampires you can use clowns you can use you know demons you can use dolls you can use you can use all of these things that i just all of them have major movies behind but you can make them your own you can make them unique now i'm going to be a hypocrite because there is one thing that I think always stands true in a haunt, and that is Headless Horseman. Sleepy Hollow and Headless Horseman is the only thing that I say, put that in your haunt. Mostly because I'm very biased. I love pumpkins. I love the Sleepy Hollow aesthetic. I love all of it. Very biased on that. But that's just me. But 
I still would put my own spin on Sleepy Hollow. I still wouldn't just copy and paste that from the Tim Burton movie. I wouldn't just copy and paste that from the TV show, even though the TV show is what I would feed off of the most. I wouldn't just copy and paste from the book. Headless Horseman in New York does not just copy and paste Headless Horseman from the book, the TV show, and the movie into their haunt and call and be a national headlining haunt. They don't do that. They make it their own. They make it their own. So, I have very strong opinions about putting these things in your haunt. Unless you're Universal, unless you're Warner Brothers that own those rights, that own those specific rights to those movies, I do not think you need those properties in your haunt. We as a haunt industry are above those movies. And I say that because I have seen so many haunts that have come up with creative, and I mean beyond creative, imaginative, and mind-blowing sets and scenarios for their haunt that don't even come close to Michael, Jason, Freddy, Pennywise, Chucky, Jigsaw, any of them. You as a haunter are creative. You do not need these IPs. And I don't know how much more I can say it or how much more I can rant about it. But that is your segment here in Random Land in this episode of The Haunt, Haunter's Shed. Thank you guys, and I'm going to leave you guys locked here in the shed as I click off the lights. Thank you, and I hope I didn't offend anybody, but uh, I will see you guys next time. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Foggy Jack Live podcast, and welcome to this new segment called Magic Show. And I just wanted to come on, as you can tell from the title of this episode, Magic. Magic is what we're going to talk about, and I thought today would be the best way, the best time to introduce this new segment into the show. So this segment is dedicated to the magician that got me into magic to where I am now. Um, His name is Dan Sperry, um, and he is a world-renowned magician. He was on America's Got Talent. He was on, I believe, France's Got Talent. He's traveled the world, and he's done it all, basically. This man is amazing. And so I wanted to dedicate a segment to him, well, thinking about doing a magic segment, because I believe that there's a lot that we can learn from magic in haunting and Halloween. Um, And so I wanted to be able to thank this man, thank this magician for for what he's taught me and for where I am now. Um, and plus, he's just so damn cool. Um, he was, fun fact, he was actually the first interview I ever did for this podcast. He was so kind and gracious to come on my show, and it was awesome, and I still 
am just amazed that I got to talk to Dan. Um, and then before that, I actually met him at uh, FearCon here in Salt Lake um, when he came and performed. I got to meet him, and it was just awesome. Totally so cool. Um, he's just so cool. And so you can go back to that episode. Um, I believe it's in the 20s is when he appeared on the show. So this segment called Magic Show, um, I wanted to... Well, first I wanted to do just a segment on the Haunter's Shed about putting magic into haunts. Um, but I, th I figured it's a bigger thing. It's a bigger thing than just putting magic into a haunt. It's, it's more. Um, people always talk about how professional wrestling, WWE, that kind of stuff affects haunters and vice versa. But taking a step back and looking at it, I believe that magic and magicians have done a lot for haunts and haunters and vice versa. Um, I know in my personal act, my personal character, Foggy Jack, you connect all the dots there, I know, um, magic is what brings me to that point of being a scare actor and being a haunt actor. Um, last year, I played Foggy Jack as a clown. Um, his backstory is kind of changing and developing over time, um, but he was a clown last year that was the comedy... I was the comedy kind of slot in the haunt so that, you know, the people coming through, you know, scare, 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 me, comedy act, made them laugh, and then we we shoved them through and scared the crap out of them in the next room. Um, I would have... I guess I can kind of go over what I would what I would do. I'd have... You know, the people, I had a good eye shot of when these people came into my room. Um, and so they came into the room and I'd stop them. I'd do a kind of a little um, SpongeBob kind of routine where I'd make it appear, then I'd make it disappear. And then to come out, to go out of the room, there was a curtain that they had to walk through. And so I would pull one person from the group, make them go through the curtain by themselves, and then push the rest through. And it got some of the best reactions I've got in a haunt is from doing that. Of just People are just so wishy-washy when it comes to splitting up in a group in a haunt. They're like, I'm going to get chainsawed if, you know, if I split up. And so it just it, – some of, some of the best reactions came from doing that. And so this year I'm planning on doing um, – I'm doing I'm, I'm planning on doing a haunt. I'm planning on doing some conventions as my character of Foggy Jack to bring people into the podcast. And my character's evolving and changing. So this year, I think I'm going more of a steampunk vampire kind of vibe with Foggy Jack. Really, I'm bringing Foggy Jack to life. Um, I clearly can't put a pumpkin on my head, but because if you see the logo, that is Foggy Jack. But I'm going to do the costume and all that kind of stuff. Um, and I have a whole kind of thing going on here. So when it comes to haunting and magicians, the first thing that comes to my mind is the Pepper's ghost effect. Where you walk into a room or walk down a hallway. The hallways work, work the best. And you see you know, kind of a blank hallway and all of a sudden there's like a ghost that is standing in front of you. And then boom, lights turn off. 
this person crashes out of the wall or crashes from the side of you, just kind of side tack you to get you into the next room. And what it is, is if you've seen the Haunted Mansion, when you go through the ballroom scene, um, the big, there's a big pane of glass. It's actually called the, you know, the, it's a million dollar piece of glass because it's just one piece of glass that stretches this whole entire 60 foot ballroom. And I have a back, I have a fun story about that, but I'll, I'll share it later. Um, and this, this pane of glass and these, these animatronic ghosts are above you and below you and a light is shot from behind them to make the glass reflect the, the, uh, the ghost. So it looks like the ghost just is floating in air. Um, and that's, and that's what you can do in a haunt. You can do the same effect. Um, and then, you know, there's, there's other ways of, of doing magic and haunts, you know, actually doing magic and haunts, um, there's a lot of ways to push magic and haunts. Pepper's Ghost is definitely the thing that I see the most. Um, but you can also do other things like, you know, small magic tricks as a clown. Um, and more and more things as we go along with this segment I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about. But this, this segment here is definitely to um, thank Dan for all he's done in my magic career. He definitely pushes me to be what I want to be. Um, as a magician, um, it's, it's, it's also, you know, it's not just to dedicate Dan, even though he's kind of the whole magic show is his line, is his line. And I used it last year as my, my haunt character. And this year, I don't think I'm going to use it, um, because it's, uh, because I'm going to be a different character, but there, you know, there's other magicians that I want to commemorate or say thank you to in this segment. One of them is Jay Sankey who follows me on Instagram, by the way, so that's cool. Jay Sankey um, is just an amazing and phenomenal master of magic. Um, he is definitely one of the magicians I use the most. His effects I use the most in my in my tricks, in my repertoire. Um, Chris Angel <laughs> is one of them also. Um, he is who I grew up on. He is the magician that broke, <laughs> that popped my cherry, I guess you could say. <laughs> <laughs> keeping it pg here um he's the one that got me into magic he's the one that definitely i was like that's the guy i want to be that's who i want to be like no not so much but when back then it was definitely chris angel um and dan harlan also is another one that isn't as big of a name but he's a big name in magic um and he's just a phenomenal teacher when it comes to magic um, and those are those are those that would be my Mount Rushmore of of magicians. Um, David Blaine is another one, but not as much as Chris Angel and Jay Sankey, Dan Sperry, and Dan Harlan. Those are the four. And you know, as we go along in these segments in this in this series, um, I'm going to try and intertwine as much as I can magic and haunting because I think both of them are very important to each other. Um, and basically this really, this segment really is just going to be me understanding more and more and more how I can put magic into my own set, into my own character in the haunt. So I hope you guys enjoy this segment. I hope you guys enjoy the rest of the show. Um, like I said today, today's episode, we're going to talk about magic and I hope you guys enjoy, um, this episode and then just another, you know, side note, if you guys want to hear a weird story 
about magicians, go to episode 87, I believe, the Hellgate Hellgate Vampires. Um, that's also my favorite episode I've ever done. Um, but the, the Highgate Vampires um, definitely is a fun story about magicians trying to catch vampires. So that's always fun. Thank you guys for listening to this episode. Thanks, you guys, for joining the show. Um, and please enjoy the rest of the show. And remember, keep it spooky and magic show. When you watch horror movies in summer, do you cry out of angst for the Halloween season? <laughs> Have you ever wondered what happens behind dark, spiderweb-encrusted curtains of a haunted house? Well, boy, oh boy, do I have a solution to all of your aching problems. The Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Where the haunters meet the haunted. Each week on the show, you'll learn behind-the-scenes info of the haunt industry, the talk of the paranormal and cryptid industry. We also talk about horror movies, Halloween, and so much more. So please join us each week for this creepy, kooky, mysterious, and spooky Foggy Jack Live podcast. And we'll catch you down in the pumpkin patch where the haunters meet the haunted. The Foggy Jack Live podcast is found anywhere podcasts are sold, distributed, or streamed. Please follow us on all our social media accounts at foggyjack13. Please note this podcast is not responsible for explosive diarrhea, vomiting, erectile dysfunction, heartworms, or major migraines as a result of listening to the show. Delicious! Very tasty. Who's here? Who's here? Ghosts! Our town chocula cereal! It's it's haunted! Yummy marshmallow ghosts! Scary bats and new spooky ghost marshmallows are haunting all the monster cereals. They're the ghostly part of this complete breakfast. Thank you guys for listening to this episode of the Foggy Jack Live Podcast, where the haunters meet the haunted. Make sure you go follow us on all our social media sites, at FoggyJack13. Make sure that you go check out our YouTube channel, also, just search Foggy Jack Live Podcast. Also, make sure you go check out TikTok, at FoggyJack13. We have a lot of fun over there, also. Please make sure that you wipe your feet next time you come in from the pumpkin patch, and I will catch you next time down in the pumpkin patch. Thank you, goodbye. Bye, and blessed be.